Amen. Good morning. You can have a seat. Hope you are doing well today. Haynes Creek. My name is Travis. I'm the pastor here. Great to be worshiping with you today. If it is your first time, I want to say a special welcome to you. We're, we're so excited that you're here checking things out, worshiping with us. We would love a chance just to reach out and just say thank you for your visit. So you do me a huge favor. Uh, if you won't mind just texting the word welcome to that number that you see, just text the word welcome to that number that lets me know you're here and gives me a chance just to call you and say thank you so much for your visit. Uh, or if you prefer, we have welcome cards out at our table uh, right outside the doors over here. Just fill one of those cards out. You can leave it right there on the table. And like I said, that, again, that just gives me a chance to reach out and say thank you so much for your visit. So if you do me that favor, I would really appreciate that. And uh, as you join us today, we are, we are working our way through the book of Acts. And today, as we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, we are starting a new section with Acts chapter 13. Uh, the narrative in Acts really shifts at this point and focuses from here until the end of Acts. It focuses primarily on Paul and his missionary work. And then once we get into the, the later chapters, it focuses on his arrests and imprisonment and trials that he goes through. Uh, so this is really... From Acts 13 on until the end, we are focusing on Paul. So that, that shifts today. So we've kind of set this aside as a, as a new series. Starting today, we're going to be focusing on the missionary journeys of Paul. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. And again, as we, as we let you know last week, Acts chapter 12 kind of closes out uh, the focus on Jerusalem. We've been Jerusalem-centric for the most part in the first 12 chapters of Acts. We've been seeing a lot of the apostles, a lot of Peter. Well, again, that, that changes with Acts chapter 13. So Acts chapter 12 is kind of like the, the close of that. We're, we're moving on from Jerusalem now. We're going to focus on the church at Antioch. We're going to focus on Paul's missionary work. So again, we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 13, we're only going to look at the first three verses today. We're going to look at the first three verses. We're going to focus on Paul and Barnabas, their call into ministry, their call into the mission field. Uh, so as you're turning there, hopefully you're there already, but I want you to think uh, right now, just, just we'll pause in Acts. We'll, we'll come back to that. I want you to think about the first job you ever had, your first job, your very first job that you ever got, that you ever actually got the legitimate paycheck for mine. I was 15 years old and I, I was a soccer referee, soccer referee at 15 years old, working every Saturday at a new park. It's Rabbit Hill Park. It's been there for a long time now in Decula, Georgia. That's where I got started. And uh, what's crazy about that is I didn't know anything about soccer. Didn't grow up playing. I grew up playing basketball. Like I did not grow up playing soccer. I didn't know anything. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, no, no, we'll teach you. It'll be fine. I'm like, okay, cool. So what, what happens with a soccer referee, they take a 15-year-old punk kid like myself and they give him way too much power and authority, way too much. Like I got to decide if goals counted. I got to decide if, if, there, if there was a foul or offside, anything like that. I got to tell the coaches to calm down, keep their players in order. And most importantly, I got to tell the parents to back off. And here's the thing about parents. I don't know what it is about youth sports, but it just brings out the wickedness in parents like none other. I can tell you right now, never in my life have I been yelled at quite as much as I was as a youth rec league soccer referee. 
Like I'm telling parents following me up and down the sidelines, yelling at me, telling me you're gonna find me afterwards. I'm like, I'm just a kid. My mom's coming to pick me up in a few minutes. What do you mean you're gonna find? Like terrified. And here I am, like my voice crackling. Uh, Please, sir, back away. Like it was just, it was rough. It was awful, but you know what? It was a paycheck. It allowed me to save up for my first car, pay for my first cell phone, all those good things. But that's the thing about a first job, right? You get a first job to get a paycheck. That's not something that you, you typically, the first job you get is not typically the one that you carry on throughout your life, right? We have these different moments in our lives where like, man, this is what I want to do with my life. I feel called to this. You know, we use that kind of language when we talk about our careers, our, our job choices, those kind of things. And here in Acts chapter 13, we see God calling Paul and Barnabas to a specific task, to a specific job, and that is the work of mission. So let me read for us this call to ministry And we'll dig into it from here. So it says in verse one of Acts chapter 13, now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So this is where the missionary work of Paul begins. It begins at the church at Antioch. It begins in a worship service. It begins with the Holy Spirit telling the church, I got something special for Paul and Barnabas here. I'm setting them apart for a specific task. This is where it all begins. And we're going to see, as we continue to kind of trace this story along through Acts, we're going to see, and they, they walk in obedience to this call, right? They respond, they obey, and they take the gospel all over the Roman Empire. We're going to see them go to all sorts of different places in the coming weeks. And this is all a fulfillment of what God said he was going to do, right? If you remember back at the beginning of Acts, Jesus says, I want you to take my message. I want you to be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. We've seen Jerusalem. We've seen the gospel go in Judea. We've seen the gospel go to Samaria. And now what we're seeing is the gospel going out to the rest of the known world world. This is, a, this is a big moment in the church. God's mission is advancing. It's spreading all over. So again, before we get specifically into where do they go, what does their ministry look like, what happens while they're on these ministry journeys, I wanted to start here with their call, with their call to ministry, with their call to, to God saying, hey, I want you to, I want you to do this thing. I'm, I'm calling you to this. What we see here is that God sets apart Paul and Barnabas, and then he sends them out. And what God does here in Acts chapter 13, he's still doing today. With us, if we claim the name of Jesus, we're followers of Jesus, he still sets us apart. He calls us and he sends us out. So what can we learn about this this life lived for God according to his ways, according to his purpose. What can can we learn from these three short verses here? Well, there's two things I want us to to focus on today. First one, if you're taking notes, number one, what we see here is we are set apart for God's purpose. We are set apart for God's purpose. That's the first thing that we, we see here when the Holy Spirit speaks to the church at Antioch. What do you say? He says, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul. Set them apart. Now that phrase, that word set apart, it's a command here. The Holy Spirit is commanding this church, I got something special for Paul and Barnabas. Set them apart. Set them apart. He's doing something here in the life of this church. He's doing something in the lives of Barnabas and Saul here. 
So he sets them apart. And that, that, that phrase, again, set apart, it specifically means set apart for a purpose, for a specific reason, a specific purpose. God is calling them to something. He has a purpose for them. And, and what is that? What is that? Well, we, keep, we keep reading. What's the purpose? What is he setting them apart for? Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The work to which I have called them. God has called Barnabas and Saul here to a specific task, a particular work, a specific purpose. And there's a lot of talk in, in the church. If you've been in the church for any number of years, I'm sure you've heard this, the language of, of God's calling. You know, maybe we've even used that language ourselves. Oh, God has called me to this. He's called me to this job. He's called me to this place. He's called me to this church. He's called me away from this church. You know, we use that language a lot. What does that mean? You know, sometimes we just, we just say these Christian terms without any like, hey, here's what I actually mean by that. What does it mean when we say God has called me to something? What is God's calling from a life? How, how, do, how do I know what God is calling me to. And what we learn from these verses is real simply, God's calling, God's calling, way you can define that, God's calling is God's purpose and plan for my life. God's calling is God's purpose and plan for my life. God's purpose and plan for my life. And there's two things we learn about God's calling here in this passage. First thing is God determines our calling. God determines our calling. God's plan and purpose, my, my calling from God, it goes all the way back to creation. It goes all the way back to when he made us, when he creates us. See, our God creates for a purpose. He creates for a reason. And it's more than just, oh, I, I can, so I will. Oh, it sounds like fun. Sure, I'll create, Travis. See what happens. You know, what's the worst that could happen, right? He, no, he does it for, for a purpose, for a reason, when God creates us, he does it for a purpose. He does it for a reason. He has a plan for our lives. And what that, that tells us just at a base level is, is that there's meaning and value to our lives simply because we were made, simply because we were created. You have value and worth and meaning. Despite what atheists or secularists or humanists, naturalists, whatever word you want to put on that, whatever that, that belief is in our culture, despite what that tells us, we are not here by some happy accident. We are not here because billions and billions and billions of years ago, two molecules just decided to form together and boom, stuff started getting made. That's not what happened. We are here for a purpose. We are here for a reason. God has created every single one of us. And because he is the creator, he gets to decide what our purpose is. He gets to decide what the plan for our lives is. He decides that. And look, we, we see this even in the way Luke, the author of Acts, even in the way he writes this passage out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nerd out on you guys for just a few minutes. I'm sorry to those that I'm about to bore. I don't like to typically do this because I know y'all get bored, but I think there, there's, there's some good stuff in here. And just if we kind of nerd out in and, and the original language here, so it was originally written in Greek. And again, I'm going to take you guys to nerd school for a little bit. Bear with me. But again, I think there's value here. So in the way that, that he writes that verb called, he writes it in what's called the perfect tense. Now, we don't have that typically in our, in our grammar. We don't use that kind of language. But, but here in the Greek, the perfect tense is, is something that, that's used to tell you that there's something that happened in the past. So it happened in the past, 
but there's ongoing results and effects here in the present. That's what the perfect tense means. So when God says, I've called you to something, that happened in the past. God has already done that. He's already determined what your calling is. And now we're seeing those effects in the here and now, in the present. God has already determined Saul and Barnabas' calling. And now we're seeing the effects of that. He's already determined our calling, our plan, our purpose. He's already decided that. And now we see that play out in the present, in the here and now. That word called is also passive. It's not something that we do. We don't create a calling for our lives. We don't create a plan or a purpose. No, this is something done to us by God. It's passive. It's not something we're doing. It's something that God is doing. So God makes us, God forms us. What's our plan? What's our purpose? Well, again, we see it in the creation. He he makes us in his image. And what that means is we were designed, we were created to reflect God and his ways to the entire world. That's what we've been created to do. That's our plan. That's our purpose. Reflect God to everybody and everything everywhere. Sin came into the world and has damaged that, right? It's damaged our image-bearing capabilities. We don't reflect God, at least not always, the way that we should, right? That's what sin does. It's corrupted things. And what sin does is, is it's led us away from our purpose and design. It's led us away from the things of God. So now we're, we're living for ourselves. We're chasing after our own plan, our own purpose. We're deciding whatever we want to do with our lives. And that, that goes against the way we were designed. And we do this all the time. That's what sin does. Leads us astray. Recently, my, uh, my lawnmower broke. This is the second time this has happened. You know, the first time I was able to fix it. I've never felt more manly in my life than when I fixed my lawnmower, y'all. I was very proud of myself, not going to lie. I'm not very good at this kind of stuff. Now it's broken again, and now I'm having to go through the same steps. There's a couple things I've tried. I've replaced a spark plug. I've done some other things. Still not working. So I have a couple of options, right? Because it's in the middle of summer. My grass is growing, which is a great thing. But if I don't get a handle on it, I'm going to start getting letters from our HOA. So I've got I've to mow my lawn. I've got a couple of options, right? My neighbor who is awesome. We love each other. Like it, great relationship with my neighbor. He's a good man of the Lord, like awesome dude. And we let each other borrow stuff, right? So when his lawnmower is broken, I let him borrow mine. Well, now mine's broken. I could ask my neighbor or what I could do is I have other lawn equipment things. Like I've got a weed eater. I've got a, I've got a hedge trimmer with my bushes. Like, like I could do something like that to mow my lawn, but that's, that's not what they were designed for, right? A lawnmower is designed to cut your lawn. Could you imagine if I'm out there with my weed eater trimming my grass? That's a bad idea. Or like I plug in my hedge stripper and I'm laying down on the ground and I'm, I'm hedging my grass, right? Can you imagine that? That would be ridiculous. Everybody would be driving by. What is wrong with that guy? Someone needs to help him. What is going on? No, what I need to do is I just need to go ask my neighbor, can I borrow your lawnmower? Because the lawnmower was designed and created to mow lawns and to do it effectively and efficiently and evenly across everyone and actually make it look good, right? See, this is what happens when we, when we go against something, that the design of something, it, it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. It's the same with us. When we go against God's design, God's purpose and plan for our lives, it might feel good in the moment. It might seem right in the moment, but it's not going to work out. It's not going to work out because we're going against our design. And again, how often do we do this? How often do we chase after our own ways? How often do we just chase after, and well, I'm just going to do whatever makes me happy. Well, that sounds good. I like that. I'm going to go and do it. 
Or, or we, we, you know, we, we define what, what's true for us, right? Just whatever's true for you, you live in that truth, right? And this is what our culture celebrates. Our culture celebrates and rewards this kind of mindset. Doing whatever I want to do. Doing whatever makes me happy. Whatever feels good in the moment. Whatever I think is best. Whatever I think is right. It's all about me. And again, that might seem good in the moment, but it never works out. It never works out. When we do that, when we just chase after our ways, when we go against our design like that, it's only going to leave us frustrated, disappointed, longing for more, right? This is what happens when we, when we live for whatever we want, whatever we think makes us happy. Well, guess what's gonna happen? Eventually that thing that makes you happy here and now, two weeks from now, a month from now, a year from now, not gonna make you happy anymore. What do I do then? Well, I gotta find the next thing that makes me happy and then the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. That's why you find all the time, the richest people on the planet, the celebrities that have all the fame and can do whatever they want to, and they're miserable, They're miserable. They're never satisfied, never fulfilled, always looking for the next thing. Why is that? It's because we've gone against our design. We've gone against the purpose that God has made for us. Instead, we need need to come back to his ways, come back to his plan, come back to his purpose. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 puts it this way. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. God has saved us for the good works that what? He's already prepared for us. He's already prepared for us. All we've got to do is follow him. All we've got to do is walk in those good works. That's all we got to do. God determines our calling. God determines our purpose and our plan. And all we have to do is walk obediently to that. Now you might ask, okay, Travis, that sounds good. God determines our plan, gotcha. But what are the specifics of that? What am I supposed to actually be doing? Well, that's the second thing about God's calling. God's calling is general and specific. God's calling is general and specific. So let's go back to that word for called here that, that Luke uses. That word for called is a word that means, means an invitation to something. Is you're, you're being invited to something by someone. And here, when it's used in scripture, most of the time, it's an invitation issued by God himself. It's this divine invitation to follow him in his ways. That's what it means to be called by God. It's God inviting us, Travis, come, come follow me. Come with me. Come this way. Follow me. Do this. Go here. That's what calling is. His general call for our lives is just that. It's this divine invitation to follow Jesus wherever he takes us. To follow him. To follow him and his ways. To follow his word. Ephesians 4 verse 1 puts it this way. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And again, what have we been called to? We've been called to follow God. We've been called to walk in obedience to his ways, to his word. Paul is urging us as believers, walk in this, follow this. This is what it means to live in a way worthy of the calling that God has given us. We walk in obedience to him. 
Again, Paul puts it this way in, in 2 Timothy 2, verse 21. He says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So how, how do we get ready for the good works that God has called us to? How do we live worthy of the calling that he has given us? We walk honorably. We live honorably. We push aside our sin. We kill our sin off and we follow Jesus. We follow him. What does God want for us? What, what is he calling me to? He's calling me to follow him completely. That's what he's calling us to. What's God's calling for your life? To walk in obedience to this to walk in obedience to him and his word. That's what he's called us to. Every single one of us, if we are a believer in here, this is what he's called us to. Look, I, I get, it'd be really cool to hear a specific word from God, right? Like just like this church, like the Holy Spirit speaks and he's like, hey, set apart Saul and Barnabas. Man, if we were there in that worship service in Antioch, hearing the Holy Spirit speak, like how awesome would that be, right? That'd be amazing. So we read stuff like this and we're like, man, I just, I need this divine word from God. What am I supposed to, Lord, give me a sign, right? We're constantly looking for that. We're constantly looking for this divine specific word from God. And all the while he's spoken a lot right here. He's spoken a lot in his word. How are we doing following these words? We're looking for some special word when he's already given us clear commands here, how are we doing with this? How are we doing walking in obedience to this? Are we following God fully? What does God say in his word? What are the clear commands in scripture? You want to know what the special word from God is? It's this. You don't know what your calling is? It's this. How are we doing walking in obedience to this? God says, you know, gathering together as the people of God is important. It's a big deal. Are we doing that? God says, hey, accountability, doing life together with one another in community. That's a big deal. How are we doing with that? He says, hey, sharing your faith. That's a big deal. I've called all of us to that. How are we doing with that? He's called us to generosity, to be, to be serving one another. How, how are we doing with those things? To be hospitable to those around us. How are we doing with that? Are we opening up our home to the stranger? Are we loving our neighbor the way that we love ourselves? How are we doing with these, these clear commands in scripture? Yeah, at times we, we get frustrated in life, right? We get frustrated with how things are going. We wish we could have more. We wish we could have something different where we're frustrated with where we are in life. And sometimes we, we need to ask ourselves, am I frustrated because I've been neglecting God's word? Am I frustrated because I've been going against the purpose and plan and design for my life? How are we doing walking in obedience to this? So that's the general calling of God. He's called us to follow his ways and his word. There are times, however, that, that God will call us to specific things, just like he does here with Saul and Barnabas. He's called them to something particular, something specific, and he might do the same for us. It might be to a, a new job, right? It might be to a new job. We're supposed to leave our current job and take a new job. It might be to, to, to move, right? A, a new neighborhood, a new city, a new state, wherever he, he might lead us. He might call us 
to that. He, he might call us to, to marriage. He might call us to have kids or more kids. He might call us to foster or adopt. He might call us to, to be generous towards this one specific thing that's going on. He, he might call us to foreign missions, just like he does Saul and Barnabas. There, there are going to be times in our lives where God calls us to specific things. And man, I, I wish I could give you a playbook on what that looks like for you. I wish I could just, you know, hey, at the door, you're going to have your specific plan from God. Just, you know, we, we made copies for you. Just take one of those on your way out. Like, I wish I could do that for you. I can't. And that's where what we see at Antioch, this is what has to come into play. This was a church that was relying fully on the Holy Spirit. And that's how Jesus wants us to live our lives. So what does it look like for that specific calling? I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what that means for you. But what I do know is what we're meant to do is trust the Holy Spirit. Trust and rely on the Holy Spirit. Trust that God is going to lead you. Remember, he's got it all planned out, right? He's already planned out what your life is supposed to look like, the general and the specifics. And we just have to trust and obey him. And when he does call, when he does speak, man, we, we move, we obey, we follow him. And when you're unsure, because there's going to be times when, man, I don't, I don't know what to do. That's the beauty of the church. That's the beauty of God's word. That's the beauty of what we see here at Antioch. These people are gathered together, worshiping, praying, spending time with each other, digging into the scriptures. And that's exactly what we're supposed to do. When we're unsure, we, we go to God's word. We go to God in prayer. We ask for clarity. We ask for wisdom. We, we go to get counsel from, from other believers, from wise brothers and sisters in Christ. So again, there's gonna be moments where God, where God calls us to something specific, where he calls us to take a step of faith. And that's where we just gotta put our lives in the hands of our good and perfect God and trust that he's got it all worked out and he's going to provide, and he's going to equip, and he's going to lead us. So God determines our calling. Our calling is general and specific at times, and and what this tells us is, is we've been set apart for a purpose. That's our first point. Second point is we are sent out for God's mission. We've been set apart for a purpose, and we've been sent out for God's mission. Again, Paul and Barnabas have been set apart for a specific purpose, and that purpose is for them to be missionaries throughout the Roman Empire, right? That's what they've been called to do. This is their specific calling, to be missionaries. And here's the thing about that. We're called to be missionaries too. Not just Paul and Barnabas. This is not just for Saul and Barnabas. This is for us too. Every believer, you've put your faith in Jesus. We are called to be missionaries. Again, let's go back to Acts 1.8. What is, what is Acts all about? What is Jesus doing with the birth of the church, with the gospel going out? What's his plan here? Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This command is for us today. You're a believer. You've put your faith in Jesus. We are Jesus's witnesses. He has called us and he has sent us out to bring the gospel wherever we are. Wherever we are. All Christians are to walk in obedience to this command. Evangelism is not just for the the professional Christians, right? Like pastors or missionaries. No, it's for all of us. 
It's for all of us. Evangelism is not some event that you schedule on the calendar. Ooh, we're going to do evangelism on this day with this church event. No, it's a lifestyle. It's meant to be done every single day that we're on this earth. He has sent us out as missionaries. He's called us. He's invited us in to join him in his mission work. And that goes for all of us. He's called us all into that life. So there's two things we, we, we see here about being sent out and, and living on mission. The first one is mission flows from our worship. Mission flows from our worship. What was the church in Antioch doing when, when the Holy Spirit spoke? What, what, what were they doing? Verse two, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, while they were worshiping, while they were fasting, while, while they were gathered together as the church praising Jesus, that's when the Holy Spirit spoke. That's when the Holy Spirit spoke. The church, again, it gives this picture of a group of people that were fully devoted to Jesus, following him completely. They were worshiping him. They were serving him. They were praying. They were fasting. They were fully devoted to Jesus. And it's out of that devotion that the Lord called them and used them to be a launching pad for the first missionaries that we see. It's out of that worship, out of that love for Jesus. And look, that, that's how missions work. Missions work is the natural outcome of a life fully devoted to Jesus. It's a natural overflow. This is what John Piper says. This. He says, missions is the automatic outflow and overflow of love of Christ. It's the overflow of a heart fully devoted to Jesus. And we talk about this a lot, right? When we, we have our hearts filled with Jesus, with the gospel, like we can't help but talk about Jesus, right? Like we can't not talk about him. So we need to ask ourselves some hard questions. If God really does, if I'm not making this up, if God really does in his word, call every single follower of his to go out and make disciples and share the gospel and be his witnesses. If that's true, if that's true, and we're not doing that, we need to ask ourselves some hard questions. Master, am I doing that? Am I living on mission? Am I building relationships with people that don't know Jesus? Am I telling other people about Jesus? Am I, am I at least, at the base level, am I at least inviting people to church to come hear about Jesus? Am I at least doing that? We need to ask ourselves some hard questions. If God's really called every single believer to that, we need to ask ourselves, am I walking in obedience to that? And if not, if the answer is no, it's not always as, as simple as, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm scared to do it, Travis. I just, it's awkward. It's hard. I don't know what to say. I start stumbling on more. I just, you know, I just, it's tough. It's hard. I can't do it. Or it's not as simple as, you know, I just, I don't know anybody that doesn't know Jesus. I just, I don't, I don't know anybody. It's not always as simple as that. Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, when we're not living on the mission, I think it, it, it honestly, a lot of times comes back to this. It comes back to worship, comes back to our hearts. Are we fully devoted to Jesus? Are we giving him everything? Are we following him with everything? Because again, if we are, missions is just gonna flow out of us. It's just, it's gonna be that lifestyle. 
So again, we need to ask ourselves some hard questions. Not just am I living on mission, but, but am I truly, fully worshiping Jesus? Am I truly and fully worshiping Jesus? Am I loving Jesus with everything I have? With my heart, mind, and soul? Am I, am I loving him with everything? Am I following him with everything? Or am I living for something else? Am I chasing after something else? Do I love something? Do I want something more than Jesus? And if I do, it, it's time to come back, right? It's, it's time to walk in that divine invitation to come back to him and live in this way. Let's fix our hearts on him. So mission flows from our worship. The second thing we see about mission is, is mission starts where God has you. Mission starts where God has you. We don't need a special word from the Holy Spirit to go out and share Jesus with those in our lives. We don't need to pray, should I invite this person to church? Should I tell this person about Jesus? We don't need to pray that prayer. God's already answered and the answer is yes. He's already told us. The answer is yes. We don't need to pray about that. He's already told us this is what we're supposed to do. See, living on mission for Jesus is where we, we see ourselves as a missionary sent out by God wherever we are. Sent out by God to our neighborhood, to our friends, to our family, to our workplace. That's what it means to be on mission. We see ourselves as living where we live, working where we work, being around the people that we're around, not as some just happy accident, just not as some, oh, well, you know what? I made that decision and that's why I live there. That's why I'm around these people. That's why I work because I just put in an application, they accepted and I took the job, right? That's how it worked out. There wasn't some grand plan behind them. There wasn't some God orchestrating thing. No, there is, there is. We see ourselves as a missionary saying that God has placed us in our neighborhood. He's placed us in our workplace. He's placed us in the lives of the people that we're around for a reason, for a purpose. And a big part of that is bringing the gospel to those places. Is bringing the light and the hope and the message of Jesus Christ to our workplace, to our neighborhoods, to our friends and our family. This is what it means to live on mission. This is what it means to follow Jesus fully. But we, we talk about this a lot. I talk about this a lot here at the church at Haynes Creek. We, I want us, my prayer is for us to be a church that loves God, loves people, and makes disciples. And in order for us to make disciples the way that I believe scripture calls us to, it starts with evangelism. It starts with evangelism. It starts with us telling people about Jesus, that's the first step in making disciples. And that's how we evangelize. We see ourselves as a missionary sent out by God wherever we are for the purpose of bringing the gospel to the people that we're around. That's how we evangelize. That's how we share the gospel. That's how God wants to use us. I want us to be a church that, that reaches our neighbors and then reaches the nations. I want us, that, that's my prayer for this church. And I believe God has called us to be a part of that. I believe God has this church here for a purpose. And the purpose, I don't believe, is just for us to, to hang out every Sunday, get to know each other really well, have some good times, have some cool events maybe, have some good worship, call it a day, and move on with our weeks. I don't believe that's the purpose of, of the church, of any church, and especially this church. 
I strongly believe with everything in me that God has this church here at this time in this area to bring the gospel and the hope and the love of Jesus Christ to a dying and broken and sinful world. I believe that's why he has us here. And if that's true, and if we're meant to do that, God is inviting all of us to take a part in that. He's inviting all of us to come and step into this mission work. This is the purpose for us. This is God's plan for us. You want to know what God's calling is? It's this. It's bringing his message to this area. So will we do that? Will we live on mission? Will we step into this divine invitation where God is is calling us, his followers, with all of our struggles, with all of our pain, with all of our past, with all of our mistakes, with all of the sin that we still carry, he's called us to play a part in his worldwide mission of saving and rescuing his people. How how crazy and amazing is that, y'all? Let's not neglect that calling. Let's not pass up that divine invitation. Look, there's lots of things that we can give our lives to. There's no shortage of things we can chase after in this world, right? We, We can give our lives to our job. We can give our lives to our families. We can, we can give everything to get that next promotion. We can, we can strive after with everything, that financial security that's promised towards the end of our lives, that beach house or lake house that we want to retire at. We, we can give our lives to those things. We can. But I'm just going to tell you, those things don't last. They don't last. None of those are eternal or permanent. And I want you to hear today that the only way to live a life of lasting significance and purpose is to live our lives for Jesus Christ. It's to give our lives following his plan, his purpose, his calling for us. He's already got it planned out. He's already got it mapped out. All we have to do is follow. All we have to do is step into that divine invitation and follow him. And Jesus says in John 10, 10, we'll end here, says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I love that word abundantly. It means overflowing to the max, more than you could ever handle or possibly even imagine. That's the life that Jesus promises us, a life overflowing a life to the max, a full, abundant life. The things that we give our lives to in this world, they seem good, right? They seem like they'll fulfill, they'll seem like they'll last, they'll seem like they'll satisfy, but ultimately that's the enemy at work. And Jesus says the end of the enemy's work is stealing and killing and destroying. Jesus' ways are the path to lasting, overflowing, fully satisfying, abundant life. He's calling us to that life. He's inviting us in to that life. So Christian in the room, if you're, you're here, you've, you've put your faith in Jesus. I want to I talk to you for a moment. And maybe maybe you've, you've strayed away from that life. 
Maybe you strayed away from that life and you've, you've been living for yourself. You've been chasing after any of the number of things that we can chase after in this world. It's time to come back. Today is the day that, that you can repent and, and come back to Jesus. That's the beauty of, of grace. It's the beauty of God's mercy. So he invites us to come back to him every moment of the day. doesn't matter how far we've strayed. doesn't matter how far we've gone. We can always turn back to Jesus. Let's turn back to him. Or maybe you've realized that, you know what, I'm not, I'm not living on mission. I'm not doing that. I can't even tell you the last time I talked to a non-Christian about Jesus. I can't even tell you the last time I actually invited somebody to come to church with me. Maybe, maybe you're realizing, man, I'm really not living on mission. Well, again, the good news of the gospel is that, is that you can repent and come back to Jesus. And that invitation is still open. You can make today the day that you say, you know what, no, no more of that. I'm, I'm living a life of mission. I am living a life of being sent out for God's mission. Now, if you're here and, and you don't know Jesus, you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus, I want you to know that, that this, this call to life, it goes out to you as well. This invitation to full everlasting, abundant life is being called to you. It's being invited for you. His call goes to you. The Bible says that the only way to salvation is through Jesus Christ, through putting your faith and your trust in him. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I'm thankful that you're here. I want you to keep coming. But if you've been feeling that pull, you've been feeling that, man, I I think, I think I'm, I'm there. I think I need to believe. I think I need to put my faith in Jesus. I'm ready to leave this life behind and follow Jesus. If you're ready to do that, don't let today pass without that. Let today be the day of your salvation. Let today be the day that you step into life. I'm gonna pray in a moment and the band's gonna come and play and we're gonna step into a time of communion and I'll be hanging out back there if you wanna talk about that. If you need prayer of any kind, just please come and find me. I'd love to pray with you and talk with you about this before you go today. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for who you are, for your goodness and grace in our lives, Jesus. I thank you for this moment that we get to pause and remember you. For those of us who have put our faith in you, that we get to come as your people, Lord, and celebrate your death and sacrifice to the, to the act of communion. So Jesus, I pray for each of us in this moment, Lord, would we, would we quiet our hearts before you? Would we spend a moment in prayer to you, Jesus? Lead us to your ways. Lord, if we need to repent, show us where we need to. Lord, if we need to come back to you, show us. Lord, as we, as we take and we eat and we drink, Lord, let us remember that you love us so much, that you went to the cross for us, that you died for us, you gave your life so that we could have life, Jesus. We thank you, we worship you, we give you all the praise and all the glory today. It's your name we pray, amen.